Greetings all, welcome to Red Voices. You and Rich here this week to guide you through last weekend's blob of a 1-0 defeat at Chelsea, which leaves United an unhealthy eight points behind Manchester City with some elements of discontent starting to make themselves known. But before we get into that, Richard, how are you? Hello, I'm, I'm not too bad, how are you? I feel like an absolute toilet person at the moment, Richard, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not necessarily sure this is going to make me feel too much better, considering how the game was last weekend, but we're going to soldier on, like the heroes that we are. Yes, let's. Yes, indeed. Good grief. Let's wind back then to Sunday night. A lot's happened since then. I feel like I've actually enjoyed most of my week, despite what happened on Sunday evening in London, but that was not either A, a good performance, or B, uh, a very comfortable result, was it? No, I mean... On the one hand, I, I'm tempering criticism with the fact that we are perennially abysmal at Stamford Bridge. But then on the other hand, I think, is that an excuse? You know, does, does the last game make any difference to this game? And is there any, any particular reasons why we're poor there every year? And I think the only thing I can come up with is that it's just it's self-perpetuating to a degree. I mean, I think Chelsea did not help by the fact they actually played really well and consistently seemed to put themselves up for this fixture when they're at home. But I think mentioning the fact there that United do are always terrible at Stamford Bridge, or at least always struggle there. The fact is that we've been to visit Chelsea three times in the last calendar year now, in the last twelve months, sorry, and we haven't really looked like winning any of them. You know, there are points in which we battled, and there were flashes in the first half, and you know, a couple of minutes towards the end of this weekend's game where we looked like we were actually there and up for it, and there was a point to how we were playing but those moments have really been few or far between in this fixture especially over the last year yeah I think there was a difference to the way we approached this game in that there did seem to be an, an attacking impetus we weren't solely there to destroy which was a pleasant surprise given the previous away games at the big sides we've seen from Mourinho but ultimately the result wasn't any different and I think there are a lot of tactical issues in the game and a lot of players just didn't turn up, and you know, ultimately the result is the same. And as as, as has been sort of gone down the rounds on Twitter, we've we've scored one goal away in I think it's eight games at the supposed the other five of the supposed top six in all competitions. So the approach may have been slightly different, but the result was just the same. I think it's the execution as well that seems to be a real sticking point at the moment, right? You know, you think back to the game against Anfield where United were essentially there to try and frustrate Liverpool and try and nick a goal on the break. Well. If you think about Lukaku's one chance in that first half in front of the cop, and if that goes in, then the approach pays off fantastically and maybe the game becomes more open. United might even go on and win that and a more healthy result. But we didn't get the chance. And you look at the way that United were set up to a certain extent for the first half of that first half to try and combat Chelsea and actually go at them and try and run at them. And it started off, as you mentioned, quite well, but... It just seemingly fell apart, you know, especially towards the end of that first half. We were struggling so much with our passing and our pressing. It just it was non-existent. Chelsea essentially took control by that point. When we came out for the second half, it took us a good God, half an hour to get going or so. It's just yeah. I appreciate because we've been so vocal about the fact that, you know, I mean, so many people were dissatisfied with the way United went about business against Liverpool. And I get that completely because it was not good to watch and it wasn't necessarily the best result. All right, a draw is never the worst result, but as we've mentioned so many times, the fact is that United need to be thinking about winning a bit more than just trying to get results. And in this game, yes, the approach was different, and it was nice to see United show a bit more attacking impetus, as you said there. 
but the execution at the minute is the real sticking point. It's not there in either approach at the moment. No, I think I think that Rashford chance was the the early Rashford chance was the was the key moment of that game for United. Even being kind, that's an absolute sitter. The header, you know, essentially the cross the cross has come in. He's five or six yards out. You know, that's a simple header, and he just closed his eyes and put it over the bar. You know, just had a feeling then that you know chances aren't that going to come by guys that frequently at Stamford Bridge. And if that had gone in, then it's a different game. Because then Mourinho can do his thing. He can he can do his conservative shutting up shop and parking the bus, and it may well have come off. But I think the moment we miss that chance, then as you say, the game just slowly, really slowly, kind of drifted away from us. I mean, I, th- I think the return of Kante for Chelsea was a big a big thing. Uh, I think they haven't been anywhere near as effective a team without him, and their midfield just completely dominated ours. Bakayoko and, and Kante was such a physical force. And then Fabregas was really just kind of spraying the ball about. And it, it was clear from very early on that our defenders didn't really have the run of Hazard and uh, Maratta. There was so much space. We were so open. And I, I guess it, it's slightly unusual in, in one of these fixtures to say that I think Mourinho should have seen that we were too open and we weren't keeping the ball well enough to, to play in that manner. Somebody suggested that perhaps it, well, both, both managers have seen City win and go eight points clear and thought you know we've got to win this game to to even stay with a chance of winning the title so i mean there there are lots of tactical things in the game but but ultimately we just didn't keep the ball well enough and it's it's very difficult watching united having spent what's Mourinho spent maybe 300 million pounds i'm not sure three three hundred three fifty and and see a team that can't string five passes together under pressure Mm. And I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll come to it later. But there's the issue of how we're playing and and Lukaku as well. He's a, a striker that thrives in certain types of types of delivery of the ball in certain areas on the pitch. And essentially, all we've done for the last four or five weeks is sling long balls up to him, which which isn't his game at all. And I think that just allowed the pressure to build on us, you know, cu- coupled with Mkhitaryan's latest complete no show. Yeah, what was that? He he looked. I mean, we know we know he's a confidence player, and he is capable of a lot better than that. But it just like mm. it just looks like his confidence is shot. It's such um, a weird situation, considering you know I, I, we've all mentioned this, we've all thought it at some point. You know, Mkhitaryan couldn't get into the team for anything about a year ago, and he was bedded in through Europa League games because that's that's as much confidence as Mourinho had in him twelve months ago, right? You know, it wasn't really until the Spurs game in the league towards the end of last year that. Mourinho actually decided to properly trust in Mkhitaryan and try and make him a regular starter. But now, Mkhitaryan is in an appalling run of form. He's not playing well. He looks awkward. He is not passing well. The game is just completely and utterly passing him by. But Mourinho just will not take him out of the firing line. And it's so odd. I know that Mourinho sometimes likes to play his players through form. You notice how much football Lukaku's played in the last month in some games where perhaps he could have maybe had a half an hour off here or there because he wants Lukaku to get back into the goals. You know, how many games did we have in this last bunch of, well, this last section of games? Was it seven? And Lukaku hasn't scored in any of them. And I get what Mourinho's trying to do there to a certain extent. But with Mkhitaryan, it just hasn't worked. You know, there were some games where he's been a little bit better than the previous one, perhaps, and actually showed a little bit more alertness, I guess, to situations. You know, he came on against Benfica, I believe, and actually did an all right job. But on Sunday, he was just... He, he should not. I mean, I think it was Nick at Man United Youth who pointed out he just looks like he shouldn't be there and he knows it. 
Yeah, I mean, I have I have some sympathy for Mourinho in that what options did he really have? We we had Fellaini back on the bench, but he clearly wasn't anywhere near sort of fit enough to start a game. So we'd started with Matic and Herrera. Herrera just can't play in a midfield too. He's just not disciplined enough. And that, that caused problems in itself. And he was forced to play a 10 because we just really didn't have another midfielder unless he thought he could throw McTominay in, which he obviously didn't. So he then really had a straight toss-up between Mkhitaryan and Lingard. <clears throat> you know, we were at the Benfica game of the night and Lingard was very, very ineffective as a 10. And I think most most often he is quite ineffective as a 10 because, you know, you get lots of running around who press well, but he's not going to create chances he's not he's not a, an incredibly creative player he's a bit of a jack of all trades if if you if we're assuming that Mourinho saw the city results thought I need to win this game I need to play with a number 10 then I understand why he picked Mkhitaryan but it just doesn't look like he's going to be able to at the moment play himself out of abysmal run of form and I, I don't want to be too harsh on him because He's far from the only one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think I'll, I'll take back the appalling comment to a certain extent because, as you mentioned there, he's not the only one who's not necessarily doing himself too many favours at the minute. He's just the obvious one. He's he's the one that's struggling most, I think. But Herrera's not played well this season, certainly not in this, the last few last run of games. I think when you see him next to a guy like Matic, you see the difference between a powerful, disciplined, kind of all-round player who can who can tackle and pass and, and is very calm under pressure and, and Herrera, who's... I think he's brilliant for certain particular roles, but if you get, if you play in midfield two, where he's got to do a bit more going backwards and going forwards, and I just don't think he's got the discipline and the talent to thrive in that position in that formation. And, and if you if we you know assume that essentially Mkhitaryan was was completely useless, it was he almost would have been better not being there. We've seen Lukaku again stuck 35 yards in front of everybody else, just trying to bring down punts upfield and long long balls upfield, and he's surrounded by two or three players. And yeah, there's a lot of you know the other, you know when we're at the Benfica game, that a lot of people grumbling about Lukaku's touch. It's it's not it's not exactly a, a, a secret that his first touch isn't his best quality and it's certainly something he needs to work on but if you buy Lukaku you buy him to to use him in a different way you don't buy him for that purpose and the first 11 games or whatever it was that he scored 11 goals we were we were really serving him we were we were giving him the sort of ball that he needs in and around the area but he's clearly incredibly frustrated now I think his confidence is low because he's just having to deal with balls punted up to him he's not getting chances and so I think we've just got ourselves into a situation where a few key players in the spine of that team are very low on confidence and just aren't playing anywhere near their their potential at the moment. I guess the easy question there is how do United play themselves out of it now? You know, it's not like we are in a really awful patch of run of form considering what we've been dealing with over the last several seasons. This is not good. This is not great to watch. This is not enjoyable and you can tell that the players on the pitch aren't necessarily enjoying it too much either. And as we said before, there are definitely elements of where United are at the minute that are to be, you know, applauded. You know, we are, what, one measly draw away in two Champions League games from getting into the knockout stages where we're most likely going to get knocked out by, God, what, Barcelona, Real, take your pick. It could be anyone at this. It could be anyone good at this point. But there we go. At least we're there. And, you know, there's still plenty of interest in the cup competitions. You know, we've got a potential quarter, well, we've got a quarterfinal tie against Bristol. So there's still things to look forward to. The problem is is that City's form has really put United's issues at the moment into 
a very sharp light. And at the moment, there doesn't necessarily seem to be an easy fix for it. And, you know, maybe now we're approaching the end of the year. We're not going to be back in action now until the 18th of November against Newcastle. And we've got a relatively nice run. I say relatively nice. We've got an easier run of fixtures, I guess. You know, you've got Newcastle, Basel away, Brighton at home, Watford away. Uh, you know, arguably, you'd say the most tricky of those fixtures is Watford away at Vicarage Road, right? And yeah. that's not necessarily something you should say, looking at United in general, that we shouldn't be going to, into that game to win. You know, we should be looking at getting wins from all four, four of those games, ideally. So it's not a really nasty run of games to come back to for the rest of this month. But this period of games has not been encouraging and as we've said the team just doesn't look like they're enjoying themselves they look low on confidence and Mourinho's got a task on his hand to try and turn that around you know it's going to be a big couple of weeks now for him just to figure out what he can do if he's still shorn of Pogba and if he's shorn of a couple other options in terms of how we can actually just inject a bit of life back into United just something because there's just a complete lack of spark at the minute yeah I, I guess the the hope is that with Pogba reportedly coming back, possibly for the next for the next game against Newcastle, that will get that that drive and crazy spark from midfield that we that we've been missing so much. Mourinho can't do much about some of the issues that the team's got. He can't do much about the lack of genuine quality in wide areas. That's something that will either have to be addressed in January or just have to muddle through. Quite conflicted on how we should view United's season so far. I think it is put in a poorer light because of what City have done but by the same token it's still one of the statistically one of the best starts United have made to Premier League season mm. but but you and you know and I know that that what we're watching is not fun and if if United were still playing with sort of quite gay abandon as they were in the early po- portion of the season and he'd, he'd still lost a couple of games I think we'd be far more tolerant than we have been with really what's just been a painful grind for the last six or seven games you know we shouldn't really be pinning everything on Pogba but we are because he's a terrific player and and I don't think United are alone in having players who are that important to them I mean you know we saw Spurs at um, Old Trafford without Kane and they just weren't the same attacking force yeah well you mentioned as well Kante coming back for Chelsea was a massive thing for them precisely so we, should, we shouldn't ultimately be that reliable on Pogba, but I think all of the other teams, bar City, have key players who, if they lost them, they'd really struggle to keep the momentum going. And I think Mourinho will get out of jail in terms of criticism if Pogba comes back and the team starts functioning again. Again, all, all of this is comes at the same time as general grumbling, which seems to be coming from Mourinho and from Mourinho's secret whisperers to the press and the you know just just the ongoing I don't think he'd be getting the, the stick he is now if he hadn't made those comments which were sort of clear flirting with PSG and he's got castles talking about that PSG link and how he's not happy with transfer business and all this sort of thing and it's just it's very depressing kind of, when Mourinho came to us and he he said that he gave the impression that this was going to be a long-term job this one's going to be different and it just seems like we're heading down the same rabbit hole that he always does, perhaps even slightly earlier than he always does. You know, he's already grumbling, he's already leaking things in the press, he's looking bloody miserable all the time, and things just clearly aren't incredibly harmonious for him at the club at the moment. I think it's the combination of those things that have led to criticism of what, in purely statistical terms, is not 
points is not a bad start to the season. I think if United go in the next three or four games, then that will lift to a large degree. But if we don't, then I think we're really going to have problems because we we have to be picking up three points in every game until we play Arsenal and City. And then mm. we need to see a different approach to the big games that we have, to, to all the big games that we've seen to this point, particularly away from home where the team has just been outclassed, really. Sure. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about Jose now before we come back to the game. And I think it's... It's interesting this week that Simon Stone on the BBC was briefing, well, sorry, had been briefed essentially that United need to sell before they can buy. And, you know, we had a couple of chats about this on Twitter this week. And, you know, uh, one of our friends, Dan, came up to us and said, I'm not necessarily sure. I do agree with the board on that one. You know, it's not Jose's fault that we bought some bad players. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, you look at the way Mourinho has treated some of the players that he has bought. You know, Mkhitaryan's form has really fallen off a cliff these last couple of months. And Victor Lindelof has barely played. You know, these were not cheap buys. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that Mourinho's record is really going to hinder him in terms of bringing in more players because the, the club and the board should back him if he wants to buy more. But they're also, to a certain extent, and I don't want to give the board too much credit because they're Manchester United's board and that would be ridiculous. But there's definitely something to be said for the club saying, yeah, we need to get rid of more players before we can buy more because... United still have a bit of a big squad to be trying to constantly add to it. You know, you look at the fact that there are still some players there in the shapes of, even though they've had good seasons, if we just put some names in terms of their quality and let's put them all together into some sort of jumble. So we're talking about Fellaini, Ashley Young, Chris Smalling, a couple other players on the periphery potentially who could also, you could argue, be left and actually be replaced, sorry, who could leave and then be replaced by better players. And you just sort of think about how many players Mourinho has necessarily held on to by thinking he could get something out of them. And I appreciate that you do need players like Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia who will work hard for the team and who have qualities and to have speed down the flanks. That's really important for us because we haven't necessarily got many traditional wingers at the minute. So using those as left and right and wing backs and when we're doing either a 4-4-2 or as we saw at the weekend, a 3-5-2 is really valuable. But the problem is, is that United do have too many players at the moment who are on massive contracts as a result of previous regimes. And that is by Tamir on the backside to a certain extent. But by that same token... Has Mourinho's record really helped him to a degree where you could say he should be backed 100%? And I'm not necessarily sure it has. I think if he's if he's grumbling as he is, if, if there's this disharmony behind the scenes, you could forgive United for being slightly reticent to throw every penny they Absolutely. have. Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't you know, be? If, if he's not if he's not if he's not committed to United, then you know why would we commit to signing extremely expensive? Players, you know, so I, I'm not using. I, I use Perisic as an example just because it didn't happen. You know, we don't really know who's at fault there. But, but you, if there was this perception that Mourinho is not going to stick around, that he's casting around, he's not going to give us the commitment that he that he said he was, then you can understand why United would think we're not going to spend a ton of money on a guy who's nearly 29 who will be on a very high wage. It's interesting actually. Someone pointed out that only. One of I think only one of the players that's, that played any part in the game for United on Sunday was was an LBG player. I think that's right. If we, if we, if we don't class Herrera because you know essentially his his move was lined up before LBG came in, so basically Martial was the only 
sort of pure LVG signing there. So if you think about it, we signed 13 players under LVG and 12 of them were, 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 were or are essentially busts or have only been of moderate use to us. You know, someone like Daley Blind, hmm. he's handy to have around, but he's, I don't think he's ever going to be part of a really successful United first team. You, you know, only we look at Anthony Martial and think, you know, that's a proper a proper signing. And if you you know think back and Moyes only Moyes basically signed Fellaini, who Mourinho seems to to like a lot, and you can understand that to a degree. But again, he's not a guy who's going to take a serious part in a, in a really successful United team. And then you've got Juan Mata, who's another problem, isn't he? You know, he's a he's a consistently I'd say consistently good performer, but he's playing on the right hand side where we need more pace and delivery and penetration. He's drifting inside and it's just all a tactical mess at the moment the squad is a bit of a tactical mess and it's very it's a bit depressing to look at that team again now and think you know if we if we want to be a really top team I think we're still looking at four or five signings which perhaps we shouldn't be after two summers and 300 odd million pounds worth of (laughs) players but then who you know we don't know we don't know who's to blame for that Mourinho clearly got his four in the first summer, and we don't know what happened with Perisic. There's clearly something either at the club or with Mourinho, or whatever that isn't quite hasn't quite functioned right in terms of personnel. Taking away the Perisic signing, you know, as you said, there's lots of grumbling, there's lots of problems, and everything. I think you look at last Sunday's game. You look at the way Mourinho is still using some of these players, and I think I kind of lose a bit of sympathy for him. I mean, I understand that Fellaini was not his buy, right? And you mentioned there that he's clearly a very big fan of him and spoke very glowingly of him in the post-match where he was saying, well done to Fellaini. You know, he barely trained, maybe at one session, and then he came straight into the game because Fellaini wants to play for Mourinho. That much is obvious. But in terms of his actual effect on that game... You know, he almost conceded two goals with horrific backpack, well, one horrific back pass and one just, you know, clearly just not being anywhere near game sharp and giving the ball away right in front of goal. And then suddenly, when we decided to make another couple of substitutions and chucked him up front, he actually became somewhat useful. But that didn't work. Again, the Polony prophecy only really works about 50% of the time. And Mourinho is reverting back to a similar tactic that a couple of the managers before him have done in the sense where if they can't think of anything else working, they'll chuck Fellaini on and see what happens. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But how is that still an option? How is that still something that we're going to with the money that we spent? It just seems strange that this is still a concept that we're adhering to when things start to go awry. And in particular on Sunday, it was was so galling because Fellaini was so clearly off the pace. And I got a bit of criticism for saying, for suggesting that because he just had such a bad performance, but it's true. You know, I mean, we, we've been ripping other players that we like apart, you know, Herrera, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of Juan Mata as well. And no, no, neither of them have played particularly well of late. I didn't think Mata's at the best game either, really on Sunday, to be honest. So we'll chuck that blame around. And you know, you can't really say too many great words about that three-man centre defence who let Morato leap up like a salmon and head home in the second half, Rich. Yeah, there was nobody near him, was there? They literally just vacated the penalty area. I, don't, I, I honestly don't know what, what they were doing there. It amuses me. Morata just, was just standing on the penalty spot, really, wasn't he? It was, a, it was a free header. I think that there, there were just too many players who were just just switching off at the moment and, and they're just too many players that ultimately aren't good enough Chris Smalling is never going to be good enough for you know a top United uh, central defence I, I have 
a suspicion that Phil Jones isn't either. Um, as as entertaining as his quite spectacular own goal in the first half that wasn't given was, and, and by he's still very raw. He's you know clearly incredibly talented, but he's still very raw. He can sometimes switch off a bit or just do something completely manic. There are just too many parts of the squad and the team that aren't functioning properly, and you know Mourinho made his his centre back signing in the summer in Lindelof and. You know, it was said for very early on that he's a project. He's not necessarily somebody that um, Mourinho was going to rely upon immediately. But United really needs needed somebody who Mourinho could rely rely upon immediately at centre back. It's just an it's just a team with question marks. You know, we've got some we've got some really good players, but there are just too many with question marks about them. With and when Pogba's not there, then there just aren't enough. There aren't enough truly high-class players to effectively control a game like Sunday or and make a difference. Every summer we're saying, you know, I think we're four or five players away, four or five players away, and every summer we seem to be getting into the into the season itself, and we're still saying we're four or five players away, and we are. I think the interesting thing is going to be is how United readjust after Pogba comes back in, right? Because as we've all mentioned, the fact that he's been away for gosh, what is it, six weeks now? And United, for the first couple of weeks, we did pretty well. You know, up until the international break that we're, you know, the one before, the one we're in now, United were still playing pretty good football. It was relatively fluent. It wasn't fantastic, but we were still scoring lots of goals. That dried up immediately after the Liverpool game, and there's definitely something to be said for the loss of momentum and just a loss of confidence in the sense that Mourinho didn't feel like he could go to Anfield with the way United were playing and get a result by playing in the same way that we were doing previously. So there is that to consider too. And I guess that when Pogba comes back in, the pressure to perform is going to be huge, right? And I don't know how that's going to play out. You know, Pogba was having a really good start to the season. You know, then again, he was still pretty great for large chunks of last season too. So, if he keeps that form up, then United should uptick. Surely, you know, he is a type of player who can, just by purely on the pure virtue of being a very, very good footballer, he will make other people perform better, right? So yeah. having that creativity yeah. back in midfield, surely that's got to help us immeasurably. It's just in, it's going to be interesting to see how everyone else picks their game up because it's not just Pogba coming back that is going to be a fix for the way United are playing at the minute. It's got to be more than that. More people have got to step up and start performing at a better level. They have, but we're fortunate in a way in that we have got certainly three relatively soft games to to rebuild our confidence a bit and for, for Pogba to bed in again. Obviously, we've got to win those games, but I think what, what we've been missing, it's been very clear what we've been missing particularly, is, is that there's been just an enormous gap between the midfield and Lukaku. And we've struggled to get the ball into dangerous areas and, and get the ball to Lukaku in dangerous areas. Is it just me or is it starting to get to the point where we were last season when we were moaning at Ibrahimovic for dropping so deep because Lukaku's not getting the ball? So he has yeah. to drop deep in order to get it. Yeah, I mean, part part of the success in the early part of the season was because Lukaku was, was playing high against the, the defenders and United were looking to play him in behind. And so what the effect of that was that defenders step back they defended deep more deeply which left more space in the hole before for Mkhitaryan and Pogba to do do dirty things with the football but as we've, we've seen in recent weeks Lukaku's been dropping deeper and deeper and deeper as the rest of the team have been dropping deeper and deeper and deeper 
And so the team as a whole and Lukaku haven't been getting the ball high enough up the pitch and there hasn't been enough space for people like Mkhitaryan to function. What we need to get back to is Lukaku sticking on the shoulder of the of the defenders, keeping that space and allowing um, Pogba and whoever else, whether it's Mkhitaryan still or whoever, the extra space they need to actually make something happen. And Pogba's skill set is so particular and so different to anything else we've got, quite apart from his quality, but he he can beat players in midfield, he can drive from midfield, he can dribble, he can pass. He's a he's a, a threat from distance with his shooting. And I think teams are slightly scared of Pogba, or they have looked slightly scared of Pogba in the early weeks of the season. And I think in that, that sense, in the psychological sense as much as the tactical sense, I think he should make a huge difference as and when he's ready. Regardless of that, we should be beating Newcastle, Brighton and Bristol City with with or without him playing or playing to his to to, to his ability, you know, the extent of his ability, what we really need for confidence before we go into that Watford game, this, the Arsenal game, and the City game is we need to have got back that swagger. We need to, you know, really put a couple of teams away, and everyone's really starting to to function again, because you know Watford are well capable of beating beating us. They've already beaten Arsenal. They're having by their own um, standards. Pretty decent season, even if things have dropped off slightly in the last couple of weeks. You know, even if we even if we win these next three games really comfortably, if we go to Arsenal or if we face City and we just bilge it up, then the knives are going to be back out, and rightly so, because for the the time that Mourinho's had and the investment that he's had, this team should be more brave. It should be capable of taking game two decent teams. Now, I, I wouldn't blame them at all for being fairly cautious against City, but against Arsenal, you know, Arsenal are not a great side this season. And United should be going there thinking we can win this game if we if we we're careful, but if we if we're confident. Hmm. I really think the next four or five weeks will really shape United's season. I've got, and of course, we've got the if we can get through to the point where Ibrahimovic comes back. And I really think there's a role for him playing as a number ten in the in the absence of Mkhitaryan having any form because I I don't think we can play him on as a, as a, a forward because he just drops too deep and the whole game becomes compressed. But he's really got the quality to to do some damage in that number ten position. He doesn't have to move too much. He can just use his ability to to really feed Lukaku. So I think if we can if we can get through till then and we're we're staying competitive, then I think we've got a chance of having a, a decent season. What I don't think we can do is continue to measure ourselves up against City because I think City are on a different planet to anybody else in the Premier League and we're not there. I, I've perhaps been overly critical of of United because I've been comparing them to City but as someone pointed out, Guardiola's signed 11 players and spent £100-£150 million pounds more and he started off with a better squad anyway. So United are perhaps just evolving more slowly, uh, and perhaps we should be measuring ourselves against everybody else in the division rather than City. So if we mm. if we can get through the next five or six games and we're still second in the... If we played everyone once and we're still second in the league, then I think we can probably think that's been a reasonably successful first half of the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Mourinho in particular at the moment, his attitude is making a lot of people antsy right so i i don't think Mourinho really cares that people have been pointing out the hypocrisy of him saying that he never talks about injuries and then bemoaning all the players that he's missing 
You know, I don't think he really cares about that whatsoever. I think he just hates being criticised by the press, and I think he feels like he's held to an unfair standard because he doesn't play in a way that he thinks they appreciate. It's getting a bit more difficult to kind of back him because everything just seems to be a bit of an abrasive fight at the moment, you know? And I know this is part of his shtick, and I know this is who he is, and I know that there's very clearly in the way that he's, you know, conducting himself, there are some sour points between him and the board at the minute and the way things are being done. And as you mentioned there, the fact that he's getting good old Duncan Castles to do his work in the press and leaking stories suggests that things are not all rosy behind the scenes. And that instantly makes me, as a United fan, with Mourinho in charge of the club, concerned. And everything just gets exacerbated with the way that Mourinho conducts himself and acts because he just clearly is very impatient at the minute and a little bit tempestuous. And I guess that just has me concerned because we know how this plays out. I'm hoping that things calm down again in the next couple of weeks. We're able to get some wins under our belts and we start looking a bit more like a functioning side that plays football that we enjoy. You know, I mean, even if we're just getting results that are a couple goal wins, that'd be great just to try and get some confidence back and some sort of belief in our ability to actually make something happen this season. Because as we keep on saying, this is not a terrible situation to be in at all. Yes, we're comparing ourselves to the team that's above us in the table a lot. And that is a little bit disappointing. But if you look at where we are in comparison with a lot of other good teams in this division, where we are in Europe, we're doing well. And that's that's a really couple of big positives to take out of this season. Just wanted, before we finish off for the night, Rich, talk a little bit more about how we think things can improve. So I'll chuck a hypothetical at you. Say we don't have Pogba back for the next couple of weeks. We When we were at the Benfica game, we noticed that the shape of the team was... I mean, there wasn't really one, was there? It was essentially straight lines. I mean, how, that, what, how, what do you think? Yeah. How do you think Mourinho and United can improve things if they're shorn of a, like, the likes of Pogba in the next couple of weeks? How can we start playing better football, essentially? What is it going to take tactically? I'm not sure we can. I think we can play well, more. Well, that was effective. a encouraging way to end the episode. No, no, Thanks no. very much for joining me, Rich. <laughs> no, I think we can play more effective winning football. I don't think we can play more attractive football just simply because we lack, without Pogba, we lack some of the key elements. I think Mourinho is very, appears to be set against playing Martial and Rashford together in, on either wing or with two strikers and one wide or whatever with, with Lukaku. He, he clearly doesn't seem to want to do that. I know he did that towards the end of the Chelsea game as a measure of desperation, but he doesn't seem to want to start like that. So we're not going to be playing with great width on both sides. We're not going to be playing with wingers, so to speak, on both sides who can beat players. So it's going to have to be functional because we don't have width. And part of what makes teams so great to watch or United teams so great to watch has been the width of the team and the way that there's quality throughout it. And we can we have players who can beat players. And you look at City and they've got Sane and Sterling playing terrifically on, on, on either side of the pitch. We just haven't got that. We are going to have to muddle through in a tactical sense and just be effective. And I think to that end, I think Flaney coming back will be a good thing because, you know, as we as we saw before his injury, as, as ugly as it may be, he's also very effective at what Mourinho likes him to do at the attacking end of the pitch. And I think we're just going to have to play to the strengths that we have. If we didn't have Pogba, we're going to have to play to the strengths that we have, which 
is basically the, the spine of the team. The spine is the strength, and we're going to have to try and overpower teams, which is essentially what we kind of did to Palace, and we did to, we've done to a few teams this season. It's really sort of kind of grind them down. You know, January may change everything. We may get a player or two in January. I, I'm not sure whether that's going to be possible or not. You know, as, as, as you said, we may have to sell first. I think this season without Pogba was, is going to be a season of grind. With him, I think he makes so much difference that that the whole team functions differently. And, and we can look forward to some quite exciting, entertaining games. It is just a case of making do with the with the pieces, you know, the chess pieces we've got at the moment. I think if if Mourinho goes into next summer and signs a winger or two, you know, really high, one or two high class players, perhaps ten as well. I mean, there's been there's been suggestion, not nothing concrete, just 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 people adding two and two together. But but the idea that Griezmann might still be a goer, and you could see some sense to that happening in January because he's clearly he's not playing well this season at Atletico. They've got. Diego Costa, who can play from January the 1st in, in Griezmann's position. You know, the question, but I'm sure that Mourinho would love to sign in January, but would the club sign a £100 million player in the middle of the season when they're briefing that they don't want to sign without selling? Oh, I mean, that's a lot of money to spend on someone who wouldn't be eligible for the Champions League, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I wonder if just being football manager, I suppose. But I wonder if there's some some kind of loan with a, with a, an obligation to pay whatever fee that was previously agreed in the summer. I mean, everyone else is doing it. Why not? Well, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, bringing in somebody like him to play play in the hole, or even or even play wide at times, or or up with Lukaku, I think that that really changes the changes the game because he's, he's such a, a technically gifted. You know, really, a really top class all round forward, and that would give us so much more creativity and so much more danger. And the, and the other thing is obviously Ibrahimovic coming back. If Ibrahimovic can come back and play as a number ten to best of his abilities, then that could make a lot of difference to to the creativity in the team. We're not going to have width. That's the only issue. We won't have width unless we buy a winger, which I'm not entirely sure we will. So it is going to be a case of really bulldozing teams through the middle most of the time but if you know perhaps if perhaps we really don't know what Ibrahimovic we're going to, we're going to get do we he's had a very serious injury we also know he's a complete freak of a human being who has no lack of self-confidence so it really could revitalize the season if he comes back and could make that position behind the striker his own um, and then you're talking about you know another world-class talent in that team in terms of creativity so and goal threat as well no, he's a great a footballer. Business. I mean, one of the things I think the only yeah. thing he's got counting against him these days is just he hasn't really got much pace. Other than that, mm-hmm. he's still a top draw footballer, surely. But it doesn't matter in that position, does it? No, absolutely not. I mean, you'd hope not anyway. But I mean, I've seen that suggested a couple of times this last week in terms of the idea of Ibrahimovic actually coming back and playing as a number ten just behind Lukaku. And I think there's some legs behind that. I think that could work out quite well provided the the rest of the supporting cast don't fluff their lines to a certain extent. And at the moment, you're not necessarily sure how much confidence you've got in that. But to be, I, I can see a way in which a Pogba, Lukaku, Ibrahimovic axis works very, very well. But I still yeah. think we're a good couple of weeks or maybe even over a month away from that. So I guess we'll have to consign that to the, uh, the folder of dreams to a certain extent. And uh, we'll consign this podcast. That was the worst segue ever to the internet for this week. <laughs> 
Good grief. That was appalling, Rich. Thanks for your company this week. No worries, mate. Guys, thank you very much for listening, despite that terrible climax of the episode. Don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter. You can get me at you and Leonard if you want to. I'm not sure you would after that. You can get Richard at RichardCan76. You can get the pod at, at RedVoicesMUSC. You can get the blog at www.redvoices.net. And we'll be back in about a week's time after we played Newcastle. Have yourselves a superb international break. Cheerio! Cheerio!